Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 21 through 37. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gifts there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then Come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said, To those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, For it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this 
comes from the evil one. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I don't like this passage. You know, it's, it's one thing to say and to read that God is going to punish a murderer, which I think we could all agree is a good thing. But then he says in the very next half breath, if you're angry at your brother. Now, let me share something. I have one brother who's still alive. And when we were younger, I didn't want a brother. And I let him know that. And if you listen to my mom, she will tell you story after story that we fought like cats and dogs. Then I went away to college, and I wouldn't say we became chummy, but we got a little closer. And I think he missed me. And I missed him, too. Did Jesus really say this? If you are angry at your brother and sister, and by the way, he doesn't just mean your biological brother and sister. You are all my brothers to another mother, and my sister, Sivwell. So, but did he really say... I mean, if you read along with Jackie and maybe have a red-letter Bible edition, the red letters indicate that these words came from the lips of Jesus himself. Did he really say that if you're angry at anybody, you're in trouble? And big trouble, Mr. and Mrs. Did Jesus really say that? I told you last week, I think it was, when we started talking about the... Somewhere on the Mount and the Beatitudes. This is a very difficult section of Scripture and some of the most extremely difficult words of Jesus. I like to play on words because I was a student of communications. I, in high school, did not like grammar. Probably still don't like grammar. But I'm intrigued because I had a great teacher who taught me to learn the language better and to learn and appreciate the entomology of words and the way words work together. I like to say somewhat jokingly that I have the gift of gab. I can talk with the best of them. But I I think there's more to it than just having the gift of being able to talk to people. There are some people that we listen to that have a mastery of the language. And there are words that we can use, vocabulary words that we can use in our communication that help us to explain what we're trying to say. Same in song, right? There are some song lyrics that you connect with and some that do not connect to you. So words, to me, are important for more than just the obvious reasons. And when I was thinking about this particular passage back about three-quarters of a year ago now, I was thinking about two words that, are, that sound like one word, and that word is toe. 
Do any of you tow anything with your vehicle? You do, I know. Almost every day, right? Anybody else? Dan, Kyle, Dick, and you too, Dee? Um, I bought a tractor last year, a pretty sizable John Deere tractor. I'll apologize to Scott Sebring later on today. Uh, he says that nothing might run like a deer, but nothing smells like a John. That's what he says. So I bought this big tractor last year, and I needed to get it to pick it up from where I bought it from, and then I needed to get it from here to my cabin up in Elk County, which is three hours away. And so I talked to Rick, and I had towed some things. I have a boat as well, but that's not quite the weight and the heavy aspect of this object. So I learned a little bit more about towing. And then I bought another tractor that didn't fit on my trailer. So I had to get a bigger trailer. Now, guys, aren't some things just necessarily bigger and better? And then I had to get a new truck. My truck had 434,000 miles, and it died. So I laid it to rest, gave it a funeral, and got a newer truck, and it's a little bit bigger, and let me tell you, I don't even know I'm towing. I mean, it is a beaut. So the word tow is spelled T-O-W, right? We tow things. But there's also this word tow. It sounds the same, but it's spelled T-O-E, right? And you all have two or three or four or five or ten of them, right? Now, what does it mean to tow the line? I looked this up just the other night. To tow the line is to literally put your toe on the line before the starting gun goes off. So if we're all in a race, we all get our feet behind the line so none of us is cheating, right? We tow the line, the gun goes off, and the race begins, and we're all in a fair starting position. Now, I'm going to assume that not too many of us are farmers anymore. So there's another saying that is an old saying and maybe a little out of vogue today, but it kind of equates to the same idea of this idea of towing the line, either towing heavy equipment that's hard to do sometimes or starting a race by towing the line. And that saying is, oh, I'm sorry. It's a hard row to hoe. Now, you know what a hoe is? What's a hoe used for? A hoe is used to cultivate a crop. When I was a kid, my mom and dad had a pretty big, almost said garbage patch, strawberry patch. And it was Dave and my, my brother, my brother, and my job to weed the garden. Now, my dad was pretty smart with gardening, and what he did was when he planted these strawberry plants, he used these, these long rows of plastic, black plastic, to help with the weed reduction, you know? But no matter how he prepared and did all this, 
somehow weeds still find a way to crop up. And for some reason, even during a drought, weeds grow. It's amazing. I mean, a, a weed is really a tough little thing and will grow even during a drought. Strawberries are strangling and dying, but the weeds are still growing, and we got to get rid of the weeds. So we, we hoe the weeds out and try not to nick the strawberries or knock a strawberry off the vine. And, you know, we're as little guys out there hoeing these strawberries. And strawberries are in rows, right? So they're in rows. Now, if Jack Heinlein was here today, I would ask him, because he had a team of horses, two Belgian horses, that he could plow straight furrows in a field for miles, literally, straight. And he would tell you that you know it's straight, a row that you've just plowed, if you stand at one end of the row and you can see a mouse playing in the other end of the row, then you know it's straight. The problem is most of us drive a tractor a little bit like this or our team of horses wander and drift a little bit like this and even a little slight left or right angle, just a tiny bit, is going to make that row not perfectly straight. Whenever we have communion, I bring the table. Well, they, they, uh, usually the communion stewards bring a table over. <clears throat> but I always try to make sure it's centered. I guess I'm a little, I don't know, confused about this. But I want it to look good. So I literally, well, I'll do it. I come up here behind the table. Imagine the table is here. And I'll look and I'll stand right in the middle of this table that's right here, and I will look down the, this little line that goes right to the left of Deborah. You see this line in the pews here? And if it's not right, I'll move it to the left or to the right and get it straight. I think, I think that's what Jesus is trying to say in this part of the sermon on the mount. We got to get our lives straight. And just because we're a Christian, and just because we come to church, and just because we're a believer, doesn't mean we have it any more straight than somebody else. In fact, it is harder for us as believers to live this straight and narrow life than if we weren't believers. And yes, there are some rows that in that strawberry patch that were harder to hoe than others. Some may have been more rocky. Some may have had more weeds for whatever reason. Maybe more manure fell in that part of the strawberry patch. Some were quite easy but some rows were very difficult to hoe and keep tended to. So, this idea of hard row to hoe. 
I came across this song just yesterday, actually. I was getting myself together for today. I was up in the mountains, actually, where my cabin is, visiting a friend of mine. And I finally started feeling better from being sick all week, as Jackie knows. I had been sick this week with some kind of a bug. And no, I don't drink Corona, so it wasn't that virus. <laughs> but, you know, I didn't feel right most of the week. And I'm still not quite hearing right, I don't think, today. But uh, I found this song. And I wanted to have it a little bit played today. I couldn't get it to work out right. So if you'll just bear with me for a moment here, we'll see if I can at least play part of it through my uh, microphone here. Because I want to let you hear, most importantly, some of the lyrics. And I'm going to go back and kind of point them out so we can uh, kind of think about, about them. Can you hear that? up there. Uh, this, uh, these lyrics kind of caught me because I knew a little bit about hoeing in the garden and some fields. My one buddy uh, raised a, uh, uh, an acre of tobacco for a senior project in the ag school he, we were at together in the ag part of our high school. And uh, so I helped him to cultivate, plant, harvest, and then sell this acre of tobacco when I was in high school. So I did hoeing in a field as well as in our strawberry patch. The, the first verse, I love this verse, by the way. Early in the morning, falling out of that sack, meaning bed, right? A cold breeze blowing through that shack. It's quite a distance to the outhouse. Now, did any of you ever have to deal with an outhouse? Put your hands up, please. Put them up high and proud. Uh, we have a neighbor up in the mountains who... Uh, They've had their place just about as long as I've had mine, since 1990, about a year later, I guess it was put in. She went through a divorce, pretty difficult divorce, and has, I think, two grandchildren now. And they're getting up in years now. They're probably about six, seven, eight years old, maybe even ten now. And she lives at this cabin full time. Now, in the western part of our state where I have my cabin, northwest of State College, they have had snow every week since November. And when I got there yesterday, or I'm sorry, Friday night, I was surprised to find up on top of the mountain before I get to where I am, about a foot of snow, fresh snow on this mountain. I'm like, whoa, man, they have more snow than we have. I mean, we had about maybe three feet this year where I live, but there they have had way, like maybe three times that now already this winter. And this woman, her name is Linda, she doesn't have indoor plumbing. 
where she lives here. She has a cistern, there's some water for some help, but she has an outhouse. When we first had our place, we had an outhouse too. My uncle, where he had his camp, and his wife still does, he was smart. He was an electrician. And so what he did was he built the outhouse, and he put a heater in it. And he put carpet on the floor. And he put a magazine rack beside the uh, toilet paper, right? But more than that, he ran a wire, Romex cable, into the cabin to a duplex switch that allowed him to, when he felt the urge, hit the switch, let it heat up for 20 minutes before he had to do his business in the outhouse, and then he could do his business in a very warm outhouse. Isn't that cool? So if the outhouse is a distance from the house, it's way, it's way out back. That's the first verse. And then another verse says, before you get a chance to finish your meal, a papa calling, let's make it to the field, get your hoe, get your hat, you'll need it before you get back. Hard road hoe, it's a hard row Aren't they great lyrics? Now, this Otis Lee is singing about uh, cotton fields down in the south, obviously. But all of us, whether we've ever raised cotton or hoed in a field, all of us know what it's like to have a hard row to hoe, don't we? I mean, some days are just difficult. Some problems are bigger than life, and some things are just Seemingly impossible at times. Jesus is saying some seemingly impossible things in this passage. What I think, and I'm a very simple-minded person, I, I can think some deep theology, but when it comes down to it, I don't think the Bible is really that hard to understand. But some of the concepts are deep and wide and hard to follow, nevertheless. And when Jesus is wanting us to follow his way, we have to understand that his way is not always going to be easy. In fact, sometimes it's going to be downright hard. And so we have this image on your bulletin cover today. The gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. Now, these are also words of Matthew later in this story of Matthew's gospel. But they really apply, I think, to what Jesus is saying in this particular passage in chapter 5 that Jackie just read for us today so well. There's a lot of things that... I could say about this passage. And I picked out this kind of a beginning verse about being angry with our brother or sister. Because that's where I identify with this passage. I think I've always identified with this passage on that point. Because I don't know about you. But for me, there are some people that I can get very angry at. And I, and I think... Flyably so. 
And sometimes we as Christians become a little self-indigent, proud of ourselves for being a Christian and, and think we have the right answers and are not wrong. And we live in a world and in a church, may I say, where in our common day, I'm right and you're not. If we talk politics or church or social issues or just about anything, as soon as I make a statement about them, anything, I'm going to have somebody who doesn't agree with me. And no matter what I say, I'm going to offend half the people. Right? You know me. I have not been a pastor who has preached a whole lot on social justice. And if that's something you've been looking for for all these years, I apologize. That's not been my focus for most of my ministry at all. But no matter what we say, there are people who are not going to agree with whatever it is that we say or believe. Even in the church. And I'll tell you, more and more, for me, I have felt kind of odd, strange. I I can't even find the words to put around it. Maybe a fish out of water is one way to put it. Among some of my colleagues, whenever we're together, because we can't agree on anything. We start talking about whatever it is we're talking about, and all of a sudden... We're like my brother and I, and we're fighting. Or somebody is real quiet, and we think, oh, we just offended her. So just because we're a Christian and a believer and have strong opinions, I'll put it personally. Just because I'm a pastor and a Christian and a believer does not mean that I'm always right. Right? Now, I don't want to admit that, to be honest. I want to be right. You know, if we're going to go somewhere in a vehicle, I want to be the one driving the car or the truck. You know, I want to be the driver. I want to be the one in control. I was a firstborn, and I understand what that means for me. I like being in charge. But I know, and what Jesus is saying here is that Bob isn't always right. I I don't know everything. And I don't need everybody to see things the way that I see them. And more than that, I need to see things differently than the way I have seen them all of my life. I told a story yesterday to some friends of mine that I was visiting. When I was 17, I had a great opportunity to go and live in the city of brotherly love. Now, some of you might say, that's not the right name for Philadelphia. And I'll tell you, you're kind of wrong. There is a sense of love in Philadelphia, even to this day. And I love the city. I lived there for that summer, between high school and college, And then after my first year of college, transferred to Temple University and lived in the city full-time 
for three more years, working two jobs and going to school full-time. And I'll tell you, I met some incredible people that have influenced me even to this day. And I am a different person than I would have been if I hadn't had the opportunity to leave the strawberry patch back home and go into the city of Burley Love. The, the love statue in Philadelphia, you know what I'm talking about? L-O-V-E in that pattern. That was one of the first things I saw on the first night of the tour I got from my mentor, Joe Tyson. And when I brought Denise down to come visit me, that first time she came down, we went by that statue too, and I took a picture of her there. And, and love, we don't talk about enough. We just had Valentine's Day, right? I was at the store on my way to the mountains on Friday, Valentine's Day. And uh, isn't it great when Valentine's Day is on a Friday? And, uh, you know, it's better than Friday the 13th, for example. So I'm, I'm at the store putting my songs down from my phone away and stopping my truck. And before I got out of the door, I looked up and there was a guy coming out of the door of the store, grocery store, to his truck. And he had one thing in his hand. And it wasn't a bag. It wasn't a case of Coke or anything else. It was a bouquet of flowers. And I thought, that guy got it right. He remembered Valentine's Day. Love. If I love my brother, then I'll treat him right. If I don't love my brother, then I might be angry with him. And that's true with my sisters as well. Now, I don't have any biological sisters, but I have a lot of non-biological sisters, if I can say it that way. Jesus never said that following him was going to be a rose garden or a strawberry patch. It's not going to be easy. In fact, it's going to be hard. I don't like hearing that, do you? I don't want things to be hard. I want to get in my truck, turn the key, and go. I don't want any problems, Rick. I want life to be that way, but it's not. And being a Christian means doing the right thing every day, day after day, no matter what, no matter who, no matter how, no matter why. I have to live the Jesus way. Because that's what he tells us to do. Not the Bob way, the Deborah way, the Rick way, but the Jesus way. And it's not always easy. But it's always good. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for strawberry patches and cotton fields, all the lessons you give from them. We thank you for lyrics and music and song that 
Give us encouragement to live the life you want us to live. God, I don't want to say this, but keep challenging us so that we can end up doing the right thing. And we pray this in your name. Amen.